The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Hello, everyone. This is Galen McDowell, the host of Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. And I'm still in the midst of a series titled, Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks, sometimes called Abraham Hicks. And I've been teaching this book because one, it is very popular. Two, Esther Hicks or Abraham Hicks, because she believes that she channels a higher awareness that identifies as Abraham through her. Uh, is very popular for teaching the law of attraction. She's probably right now the the largest organization that just focuses on teaching the law of attraction and the law of attraction only. So I thought this would be a good exercise in looking at it from a new thought point of view because the term law of attraction comes out of the new thought movement. And I think it's a good conversation to have with ourselves to see how we can better understand who we are in God and who God is in us and these spiritual laws that work to help us produce the results we desire. One of the first things I learned at Christ Universal Temple when I showed up here was that I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual laws. Therefore, as we understand who we are in God and who we and who God is in us, and how we can use these laws to promote a better life that empowers us to be able to go out into life with confidence that we can demonstrate the desires of our heart. It matters that you believe that you can get what you desire, that you have the ability, that you have the know-how, And most importantly, that you're connected to the source of all good that can produce it. Now, I'm on chapter nine now, and I'm going to teach chapter nine and 10 today. Two short chapters, but they're packed with material. And I was going to normally teach like three chapters every time I taught it, but sometimes I might do one, sometimes I might be two. Hey, it's my show. I'll take as much time as I feel as though I'm led to take. Therefore, on page 43, and I do hope you have the book asking it is given by Esther and Jerry Hicks, because I'm only going to make sure that I'm hitting highlight points, but you want to make sure that you are immersing yourself in the material. If you want extraordinary results, you have to put in the extraordinary effort to get those results. So it's really important for you to focus on what it is that you are seeking to demonstrate. What are you seeking to get out of this teaching? Is it going to be more intellectual knowledge, more head knowledge? Or is this something you're going to know in your soul? Remember what Emmett Fox wrote many years ago. 
There is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. Therefore, if you want to demonstrate a thing, you have to develop the understanding. You have to develop the consciousness for it. You have to develop the awareness of it. So whether you call it vibrational match or emotional, uh, emotional or feeling gets the blessing type jargon, it all boils down to, do I have the consciousness for the thing I desire? So the book goes on to talk about how on page 43, chapter nine, the hidden value behind your emotional reactions. And it talks about how we have our five senses. And our five senses pick up vibration, and we interpret that through our brains to let us know this is hot, this is cold, this smells good, this smells bad, this tastes good, this tastes bad, this feels good, this hurts. I can look at something, I can hear things. Our five senses allows us to interact in the physical world. They're attuned to the physical world. But is it possible that we also have spiritual and mental senses now this was something that my mentor teacher uh, minister the reverend dr johnny coleman taught christ universal temple for years that yes you have a set of physical senses or she would use the term faculties but you also have spiritual faculties now i'm not going to teach everything that she taught in that context but my point in mentioning it is just like we rely on our physical senses to navigate the physical world we have to navigate our spiritual and mental faculties to navigate the spiritual and the mental so if you're trying to use the wrong tool you won't get the results you desire if you're trying to use your physical tools to, for instance, your eyesight, to see something that's not there yet, but you know that it is yours by right of consciousness, you'll never see it with your eyesight. You're relying on the wrong tool. You're rel relying on the wrong faculty. It's not functioning at the level it's supposed to. So if you see something that needs to fill up screwdriver and you pull out a hammer, it's not going to work. There's no other way for me to say that. So getting in tune with your spiritual and mental faculties requires prayer, meditation, study, contemplation, being taught. I did all of those things and I'm still doing it. Why? Because it requires a different set of faculties. It, allow, it means you have to start leaning on faculties that might be very underdeveloped right now. You might have to further develop your intuition. You might have to further develop your telepathy. You might say, well, telepathy isn't real. Well, who's to say it's not? Because really it is just picking up the vibration of other people's thought. And if thought is mental vibration or impulse, then that means it can be picked up at the level that it works on. Hmm. So back to the book. So page 43, the author wrote, you were born with sensitive, evolved, sophisticated translators of vibration that help you understand and define your experience, talking about the physical world. And in the same way that you utilize your five senses to interpret your physical life experience, 
You were born with other sensors, your emotion, which are further vibrational interpreters to help you understand in the moment the experiences that you are living. I just want to stop there for a moment. What she's saying is how you feel really lets you know what you're sending out to the universe. You've heard me say on this podcast often, you are a mental field that is always radiating and attracting. I am a mental field that is always radiating and attracting. Now back to the book, page 44. Emotions are indicators of your point of attraction. Your emotions are indicators of the vibrational content of your being in every moment. And so when you become aware of the feeling of your emotions, you can also be aware of your vibrational offering. A stop. Again, if your emotions are indicators of your vibrational content, what I'm radiating, then the emotions are also the indicator of what I'm asking universal law to bring back to me. She wrote it this way. Once you combine your knowledge of the law of attraction with your in this moment awareness of your vibrational of what your vibrational offering is, then you will have full control of your own powerful point of attraction. In other words, yet again, when you know how you are feeling, you are knowing what you're radiating. Why? Because your thought, uh, you know, is the point of attraction. But your emotion lets you know what what you are actually radiating. Because because most of the time, the emotion is built on the thought. What do I mean by that? We have a thought. We have an image. Then we say, what does it mean? Then we have, after we get to what it means, then we have a feeling or emotion about it. Now, all of this can happen in what we would call an instant, but it happens. So we'll have an experience or we'll have a thought and then we'll, it'll transmute into an emotion. But you have to recognize one of the things that I, I, I so believe that I learned from Reverend Coleman. She used to say it often in her sermon. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. Johnny Coleman was famous for that statement. I am the thinker. Hmm. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. All right. Back to the book. The author went on to write, your emotions simply and purely and only are about your relationship with your source. And since your emotions tell you everything that you would ever want to need to know about your relationship with your source, we often refer to your emotions as a your emotional guidance system. All right. When you made the decision to come forth into this physical body, you fully understood your eternal connection to source energy. And you knew that your emotion would be constant indicators that will let you know in every moment, your current relationship with source energy. Let me simplify this. What she is all saying very directly is, If your thought is the point of attraction and your emotions are basically letting you know where you are, if you're functioning in frustration, anxiety, doubt, and fear, 
then that's that's what you're radiating. But that can't be in alignment with what you are seeking to demonstrate if it's based upon peace, love, joy, prosperity, and health. You can't plant watermelon seeds and expect to get tomatoes. And you can't allow your emotions to be uh, thought and emotions to be all over the place and expect that you're going to attract the good that you desire because really what your emotions, what your thought and emotions are focused on is really what you don't want, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. So what one of the things we teach in New Thought is that the realization is when the thought and the feeling come together. We call it the marriage, the thought and the feeling, the conscious and the subconscious mind, the objective mind and the subjective mind, all saying the same thing. They have to come together. Some people call that the mental equivalent. My terminology for the mental equivalent is clarity of thought and conviction of feeling. How clear can you see it in your mind? How much conviction do you have in your subconscious mind, in your feeling nature? How much knowing do you have that this is mine? So what we try to do is often achieve things by feeling the opposite of what we desire. One of the things that's interesting, and I guess Reverend Coleman is on my heart today, is she would tell us, whatever it is, name it good. And when I was a young guy, that was challenging for me. It didn't make a difference what it was, name it good. Because she said and taught that we had naming power, and, and name meant nature. So whatever we named a thing, we get, when we, whenever we named a thing, we gave it a nature. Hmm. Now that's important. So a nature means how a thing functions. This is what it is. So I'm going to call what somebody else calls horrible good. Because I'm shifting my mind to get in alignment with the truth that I seek to express. Now, for some people, that might not be functional. I'm just here to teach the metaphysics of it. But I tell people that you can keep your excuses or your transformation, but you can't have both. Back to the book. All right. Bottom of page 44. And so with time and practice, you will come to know in every moment your degree of alignment with who you really are. But when you are in full allowance of the energy of your source, you thrive. And to the the degree that you do not allow this alignment, you do not thrive. Mm. So everything is about being in alignment with the truth of God in you. Not the truth of God out there, the truth of God in you. All right, back to the book. You are empowered beings. You are utterly free to create. And when you know that, you are focused upon things that are in vibrational harmony with that, you feel absolute joy. In other words, you are free. You are free to put your mind on what you desire, but you have to recognize that every every choice has its own consequences. It's not reward or punishment. It's just consequence. And we we love to call good consequences uh, things that make us uh, have joy and happiness and love. And we like to, you know, obviously don't want to deal with what we would consider negative consequences that don't bring the things we really want. 
But I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. I'm free. But can I accept my freedom? Back to the book. She wrote, depression, fear, and feelings of bondage are examples of misalignment or that misalignment. We teach at Christ Universal Temple and in the Universal Foundation for Better Living. And this is also taught in the unity movement, all new thought organizations, that the primary cause of suffering is forgetfulness of our divine nature as children of God with dominion over our thoughts and feelings. So in other words, we suffer because we've forgotten who we are. And if we forget who we are, how can we be in alignment with, our, with the truth of our being, with the presence of God within us? with the I am that is within us. It makes me ponder. Then the author wrote, in the same way that sculptures mold clay into creation that pleases them, you create by molding energy. The terminology we use in new thought is substance. God's idea of perfect form or mind essence. I like to call it unlimited possibility and infinite potentiality that the thinker is shaping unlimited possibility and infinite uh, potentiality that we call substance into definite shape and form. Now, if you want to hear me teach on substance, this is what I would suggest. Go back and listen to, go back to my archives and find the series I did on prosperity. The first chapter is all about substance. I went into great detail about substance in that podcast. It was a long time ago, maybe even 10 years ago. But I, 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 don't, I don't think that I can add anything to what I taught on that lesson. And I think I did one when I did spiritual economics. I think I did spiritual economics on this podcast. I've taught so many things. You can go back and look at that as well. That's also chapter one. But I know I taught it in Prosperity, the series Prosperity, that's based upon the book Prosperity by Charles Fillmore about a decade ago or so. So check that out because I really, really worked it. And if you want to better understand it and handle how to shape and mold the substance of God, the no thing that can become anything, the pure potentiality, the unlimited possibility, the infinite potential, into definite forms of good, you definitely want to check out that lesson. All right, back to the book. You focus the energy when you speak, when you write, when you listen, when you are silent, when you remember, when you imagine. You focus it through the projection of thought. Why? Because I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. Like the sculptures who, with time and practice, learn to mold the clay into the precise desired creations, you can learn to mold the energy that creates worlds through the focus of your own mind. So the way Johnny Coleman taught it was that the substance of God is like a great big piece of cookie dough. And your mind is like a cookie cutter. And with your imagination, you have the images that you impress upon the formless substance, the unlimited potential, the infinite possibilities. I know I'm just using terms. I'm just throwing it out so you can understand it. But she would say, you, you, your imagination, you use your imagination to create forms and shapes into the dough. So just like you would have cookie dough and you would have maybe a Christmas tree or a horse or 
wagon or whatever, a cat or dog or bird, you put it into the into the dough, the 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 form, the shape, and the dough will form and cook a cookie that looks like the pattern you gave it. Your mind is always giving the substance of God pattern. But if you're unconscious of your patterns, then you can end up demonstrating a lot of things in your life you just don't want. This is why you have to pay attention to your emotional uh, uh, balance, because if you're a mental being that is always radiating and attract, attracting, then this is telling you vibrationally, this is what I'm radiating. So when you don't feel good, uh, work towards getting yourself back to feeling good. All right, I'm going to take a quick com uh, commercial, but before we go to the commercial for mindbodyspirit.fm, I have a commercial for myself. Uh, I was thinking about things that could support this series. So uh, a couple of things. One is, first one is I have some YouTube videos I want you to watch. The first one is Visualize for Success. Just put my name in, Visualize for Success. It pops right up. The second one is New Thought. The Science of Mental and Spiritual Mastery. Again, New Thought, The Science of Mental and Spiritual Mastery. I give the fundamentals of the New Thought movement in that seminar. Visualize for Success, I think, speaks for itself. The next one, or the third one, is Ask and Receive. While I focus on, even though this book title is Ask and Receive, I was using different things, teachings of Jesus, and different things I've read and taught through the years to help people give a get a foundation of what it means to ask, which is what I'm doing with this book as well. But this is a quick seminar that can support what you're actually studying with me now. The last one is a lesson I just did this uh, past Sunday. So I, I pre-record these lessons. So I taught a lesson called Living Into Your Purpose. It was a Palm Sunday lesson. Uh, living Into Your Purpose for, what was that, April 2nd, 2023. So uh, check those lessons out. I think it'll help you a lot. And also, I got a couple more commercials. Check out my relationship podcast, The Meta Behind Relationships on YouTube. So just go to YouTube, type in Galen McDowell, The Meta Behind Relationships, and you'll see several episodes, maybe you know, 16, 17 episodes I've done so far on it. Uh, the, uh, make sure you listen to the one Season one, episode two, which is I meet no one but me. That's talking about how you work with this law of attraction. I meet no one but me. And I did one specifically on the law of attraction, but I don't remember the name of that particular podcast, but you can look it up. I'm trying to just deal with metaphysics and relationships with that one. You know, I'm a busy man, so I, you know, I got stuff I'm doing, you know, besides truth transforms and, you know, being the executive minister for a mega church. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff on my plate. Anyway, the next thing is I have a new class that I'm offering in the Johnny Coleman Institute on uh, that begins on May 17th. So the semester is starts on May 15th. There's several classes being offered. It's a five-week sem semester. I'm teaching the book Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. It's a book based on, uh, by the deceased uh, New Testament scholar. Marcus Borg. And the book is about the pre-Easter Jesus. Before we get into, you know, all of the 
you know, Christology about Jesus. What did he teach? What does he what did he stand for? And what can we learn when we put him back within his culture and learn what he actually taught people? So if you ever wanted to get a fresh look at Jesus, a fresh look, not based upon fundamentalism or or Catholicism or or I'm not even doing a metaphysical profile. What I'm, but you will see the metaphysics come out when you study Jesus and you understand what he was teaching in the context of the teaching. You'll discover a Jesus that you might not have ever met before, not based upon, uh, you know, punishment and heaven, hell paradigms and all of that stuff, but actually, who is this human being? Before we get to the deification, who is this human being? Who awakened to the spiritual truth of who he was. And if it's possible for him, it's possible for you. So if you go to uh, the church website, Christ Universal Temple website, it's www.cutemple.org, www.cutemple.org. Click on the classes tab, and you should be able to find the class and register. I'm offering it only for a $20 registration, and then you give a love offering in every class. You can't get it better than that. Uh, and of course, you have to buy your own book. It's taught online via Zoom. So it won't be, a, you know, so you have to register for the class to be able to get the email link that registers you for the class. So, I, you know, I think you want that if you ever had, uh, some conflict around what in your heart, what you thought Jesus was uh, meant beyond how, you know, religious fundamentalism, which has that right to present any version of Jesus they decide, just like any other religion. But what I want to do is just strip it bare bone and go back to just understanding who he was in his own context what Marcus Borg calls the pre-Easter Jesus. And what did he teach? And how can that help us become better people and discover the truth in ourselves? So if you want to take that journey with me, I invite you again to go to cutemple.org for that process. So we're going to take a quick commercial and we'll be right back to Truth Transform. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm still in the midst of teaching this book, Ask and It is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks. And I'm on chapter 10 now, three steps to whatever you want to be, do, or have. I love, first of all, be, do, have, because many times we often try to have 
to do so we can be a thing. But that's not how universal law works. You have to be it to do it, to have it. Anyway, so in this chapter, she teaches what she calls the creative process. Now, the creative process normally in my brand of metaphysics and that that come out of the teachings of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, Unity, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman was a unity minister before she started her own organization. We call the creative process the first seven steps of Genesis. The first the, every day represents an aspect of mind that, that, that creates, or how can I say this in a simple way, that helps us bring an idea into manifestation. The seven days represent seven steps to bring an idea into manifestation. If you want to learn that process, I actually have a series that I did either in year one or year two of this podcast. If you go back through it and you listen to the creative process, you'll learn how we teach it normally, the seven steps. But in this one, it's a three-step, which I like, and I don't I agree with as well. It's not either or. It's it's just what you're doing and how you're breaking it down. Anyway. Page 47, the creative process is conceptually a simple one. It consists of just three steps. Step one, your work. You ask. Step two, not your work. The answer is given. Step three, your work. The answer which has been given must be received or allowed. You have to let it in. I need to stop right here because I think this is important because, you know, I know people say I have been asking and I haven't received. You know, the scripture says, asking it is given, seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive, everyone who seeks, finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be open unto him. That which is Matthew chapter seven, verses seven, Matthew chapter seven, verses seven and eight, if you want to look it up in the Bible. But people will say, I've been asking, I've been seeking, I've, I've been knocking, and I haven't received. And this book is boldly proclaiming every time you ask, you receive. The question is, based upon this author, is do you have the consciousness to receive? Do I have the consciousness to receive? Am I good at allowing? Am I good at permitting divine law to do its perfect work? Let me use different language. This is the language I prefer. Am I open? Am I open and receptive? And I'm going to add a word to open and receptive. Am I open, receptive, and in alignment? So alignment, open, receptive, alignment. Am I open and receptive? Am I in alignment? Well, what I say, I desire. As Catherine Ponder would say, open your mind to receive. Reverend Coleman's book was Open Your Mind and Be Healed. Why? Because we are so often caught up in our own ways of being, our own thought, our own feelings, our own beliefs, and it's so uh, hardened within us that the possibility of the miraculous is close to us. The opportunity for the breakthrough and the blessing is close to us. Because we don't have the receptivity for it. 
So if I had a radio in my office right now and I put the antenna up and all of the local Chicago stations would be available, what I would discover is they're already in the room right now. The moment I turn the radio, give it some power, plug it in, pull up the antenna, start playing around with the dial, I'll discover that all of the radio stations are actually already in my office. So, But until I had a receiver that could be in tune with it, I couldn't get the demonstration or the manifestation of that station through my radio. Now, here's the thing. If I damage my radio, I still can't get this message. If I don't have a radio, I can't get the message or the station. Or if I'm trying to listen to 102.7, but I have my radio on 102.4, I will not get 102.7. And if my mind isn't in tune with the good that I desire, with as the Apostle Paul called the fruits of spirit, if we're not in alignment with what is harmonious and good for us, then we can't receive it. I want to read this scripture. This is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. So you can hear my nice Bible turning, I'm sure, over this podcast. But uh, I want to make sure that you get it. This is found Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellent and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I love that verse. I absolutely love it. And it's important because he's saying, This is how you keep your mind focused on the good. Think about these things. I know we want to think about everything else other than what we desire. Think about these things. Hmm. Think about these things. All right, let me get back to the book. So step one, ask. I think that's pretty clear. But she wrote, everything from your subtle or even unconscious desires to clear, precise, vivid ones result from the contrasting experience of your day-to-day life. Desires or asking are the natural byproduct of your exposure to this environment of fantastic variety and contrast. So step one comes naturally. I I would say sometimes it comes naturally. And I wrote some notes in my book just to help break it down a little bit more. I wrote, thinking is asking. And when I'm talking about thinking, I'm talking about thought and feeling. Thinking is asking. Intentional thinking is better. All right. In other words, do I have some, am I thinking with intention? Like I'm, I want to produce something. I want to go somewhere. I want to do something. Then I wrote, focused and clear thinking is really good. Focused and clear thinking is really good. Why did I write that? Because I'm a big believer in what Reverend Ike used to teach. 
You must be definite with the infinite. You must be definite with the infinite. All right. So step two is the universe answers. All right. Now we would say, wait a minute, it doesn't answer. What do you mean answers? In other words, it creates the, the spiritual, mental, or vibrational equivalent that can turn into the manifestation. All right. So how they wrote it is this. Every point of consciousness has the right and the ability to ask, and all points of consciousness are honored and responded to immediately. When you ask, it is given every time. Your asking is sometimes spoken with your words, but more often it emanates from your vibrational vibra uh, more often it emanates from you vibrationally as a conscious stream of personally whole preferences, each building on the next, and each one respected and answered. So what this is really saying to me is this. We're asking all the time. So sometimes what we're asking is conflicting with what we asked before. Because if thinking is asking, then I'm asking all the time. And so, so sometimes my mind is on my good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes my mind is on my health. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes my mind is on my prosperity. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's on love. Sometimes it's on fear. So I'm consistently radiating and attracting. This is why. I said clear and focused thinking is really good. Really good. Because it's giving the mental equivalent or the pattern necessary to produce the results you desire. Step three is you allow it in. Step three is the application of the art of allowing. It is the reason your guidance system exists. It is a step whereby you tune the vibrational frequency of your being to match the vibrational frequency of your desire. In the same way that your radio tuner, just use that, must be set to match the frequency of the broadcasting station you desire to hear. The vibrational frequency of your being must match the frequency of your desire. And we call that the art of allowing. That is allowing what you are asking for. Or are you open and receptive to it? Unless you are in the receiving mode, your questions, even though they have been answered, will seem unanswered to you. In other words, it's here for you and you can't see it. You can't get in contact it. You don't get the benefit of it because you don't have the consciousness to receive it. It says uh, your prayers seem to, uh, 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 it says your prayers will not seem to be answered and your desires will not be fulfilled, not because your wishes have not been heard, but because your vibrations are not a match. So you are not letting them in. There are people who are vibrational match for money all the time, for peace all the time, for breakthroughs all the time. They just, you ever seen, you know, some folks like, man, they always coming up with these money making ideas and how to do this and how to do that. It's not by accident. It's their consciousness. This is why in New Thought, we teach people to develop the consciousness of prosperity, the consciousness of health, the consciousness of divine life, the consciousness of peace, the consciousness of the Christ in you. So back to the book, page 49. Every subject is two subjects, wanted and not wanted. Every subject is really two subjects. There is that which you desire and the lack of it. Often when you believe you are thinking about something that you desire, 
you're actually thinking about the exact opposite of what you desire. In other words, I want to be well. I don't want to be sick. I want to have financial security. I don't want to experience a, sh a shortage of money. I want the perfect relationship to come to me, but I don't want to be alone. In the book of Job, it is stated that he said when he was going through his trials and tribulations, and, you know, it just as a side note, the book of Job is not literal. It was never intended to be literal. Fundamentalism has made it literal in the 20th and 21st century. Anyway, so this fictional character named Job that is in the Bible, as he's going through his tests and trials, says, because he was considered super righteous, according to the story, says, that which I have feared most has come upon me. Which gives us a hint that sometimes people's righteousness is not based upon wanting to do good, but is their fear of the consequences of not being good. In other words, you know, uh, you know, some people are Christians because they're hell scared, not because of the love of God or because they want to follow Jesus. They just they just fear the potential of hell. I don't believe in heaven and hell as places. I believe there are states of consciousness as well, experiences of the soul, not after after death reward and punishment. However, if that's your belief and you just want to make sure that you got your, your ticket punched, often that decision will be made out of fear, not love. That's just my opinion. You can take it or leave it. All right. So the book goes on to say, what you think and what you get is always a perfect vibrational match. So they can be very helpful to make a conscious correlation between what you are thinking and what is manifesting in your life experience. But it's even more helpful if you are able to discern where you are headed even before you get there. Again, focused and clear thinking is really good. All right, so if you want a predetermined life, get some predetermined thinking in your life, in your mind, all right? Then she wrote, page 49, your attention must be on it, not the lack of it. The creative process is occurring whether you are consciously aware of it or not. Why? Because I am a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. There's no such thing as turning off divine law. Whether you call it law of attraction, divine law, universal law, reaping and sowing, the law of compensation, the law of cause and effect, whatever term you use, divine law is always operating. It, ne it never turns off. All right. So the author wrote, the reason why the reason that you are not always aware that your desires have been answered is because it is often a time gap between your asking step one and your allowing step three. Even though a clear desire has emanated from you as a result of the contrast you have considered, you often, rather than giving your attention purely to the desire itself, focus back on the contrasting situation that gave birth to the desire. In doing so, your vibration is more about the reason you have launched the desire than it is about the desire itself. In other words, we can be so busy trying to run away from a thing that it keeps all of our attention and if, where our attention goes, our power flow. So what I'm saying is uh, what uh, my brother Michael Beckwith often says, pain pushes until 
he said, what he says, pain pushes until vision pull. Pain pushes until vision pull. So we want to be pulled by the vision of a thing, not propelled just out of the pain. Now, pain sometimes is necessary to get your attention. But once it gets your attention, focus on what you desire to produce, not what you're running away from. All right. Because if not, you can call, you can find yourself making a, a poor emotional decision. All right. Page 40, excuse me, page 50. And she gives some excellent examples on this page I'm not going to cover because, you know, you got the book. So I'm sure you'll read it. You know, my working agreement with you is you read the book, I teach it. All right. As long as you are more aware of what you do not want regarding the situation, what you do not want cannot come to you. Excuse me. As long as you are more aware of what you do not want regarding the situation, what you do want cannot come to you. In other words, the more you focus on what you don't want, what you do want will be sideswiped. It'll be uh, diminished, devalued in consciousness, because really the energy that you have in mind is really behind what you don't want. All of the emotion. So if I told you, uh, yet again, don't think about the Statue of Liberty. Whatever you do, don't think about the Statue of Liberty. Please don't think about the Statue of Liberty. All of your attention and the imagery in your mind, if you know what the Statue of Liberty is, will go towards the Statue of Liberty. If you didn't know what the Statue of Liberty was and you were lived, living in one of the countries where this podcast is um, listened to, and this I have several, you might even go on Google and look up the Statue of Liberty if you didn't know what it looked like, because our minds tend to go uh, where they're directed. And you don't teach the mind to not do a thing. You teach a mind to go to a thing. It's a law of substitution. All right. Instead of, you know, it's like uh, my spiritual mother, uh, the Reverend Evelyn Boyd used to say, teach a kid to. Tell, teach a kid by telling them, close the door quietly versus stop slamming the door. What is the focus on, the slam or the quiet? Lead them where you want them to go. All right, page 51. Now you hold the key to creating your every desire. Once you understand that your thoughts equal your point of attraction and that the way you feel indicates your level of allowing or resisting, Resisting, you now hold the key to creating anything you desire. I just want to stop that. Your thought is your point of attraction. That's what's attracting. Your feelings, according to them, is allowing you to know if you're allowing or resisting, your level of allowance and your level of resisting. So you don't have to guess because often we know when we're resistant. And when you're tense and stressed and tight, you're resistant. This is why many spiritual teachers, including me, Teach people that when you pray, release it. Release it to to fulfill itself. Because what ends up happening is if we're praying or affirming something, we're tight and emotionally tense about it, there's no releasing. We're more concerned about the lack of it. Instead of freeing it to come in its own perfect way. And that makes a difference. You have to be able to let it go for it to grow. If not, you'll be like a planter who plants a seed and every day digs it up to see if it's growing. And that's what we do with our prayer. 
That's what we do with our affirmations. This is what we do with our intention. This is what we do with our goals. You know, the in the in the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote it this way. He was talking about people who were uh, some people were following him, and people some people were following a man named Apollos, and he said, "I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase." If you never get to the point where God gives the increase, then you're just playing playing around with it, trying digging up the seed all the time. God, he was telling people, God planted, Apollos watered, but I, but God gives the increase. In other words, we created the setting for the divine law that's in the earth to do its perfect work with the seed. You have to create the mental setting for the divine law to do its perfect work in the universe for you. All right. The author went on to write, it is not possible for you to consistently feel positive emotion about something and have it turn badly, just as it's not possible for you to consistently feel bad about something and have it turn out well. But the way you feel will tell you if you're allowing your natural well-being or not. And I can hear some mental people screaming, wait a minute, all I got to do is feel good and the thing turns out well? Let me just give you a, another way of looking at that, besides how they're saying it. In the Bible, when Joseph, uh, Joseph's brothers, the sons of Jacob, they sold him into slavery because he was ambitious and told people about his gifts and where he was going to end up in life, which was over them. They sold him into slavery. He was sold to Potiphar's house, accused of sexual assault falsely, put in jail, uh, was left in jail after he had told. Um, he had helped somebody in the jail get out of the jail. Uh, I can't remember if it was the cook or something like that. And it was just left there language, languaging. Lang uh, anyway, I'm butchering that word right now. So let's just leave it alone. And eventually the person that was helping the Pharaoh remembered this guy in jail because the Pharaoh was having some dreams that he couldn't interpret. But he knew Joseph could interpret dreams. So he called Joseph. Uh, the, 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 the helper told the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh had Joseph brought to him. Joseph immediately interpreted the dreams and he was placed second to the Pharaoh and over all of Egypt. And then when his brothers came, as it was a famine in the land, when they thought that he was going, when they, when they, they realized it's their brother that they actually came to for help, Joseph said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Joseph recreated that whole circumstance and named it good. He chose to experience it as good. Like Johnny Coleman said, name it good. So, so some, just because someone outwardly or you, the old you might have said, this is bad, this is evil, this is wrong, this is painful, this is suffering, does that mean that it has to have the meaning for you, that same meaning for you? You get to decide what a thing means to you. You and only you. I tell people in 1993, January 1993, when I almost died of asthma as a, in the hospital for four and a half days, had to come home, stay home and out of the cold of Chicago for two and a half weeks after that because my lungs were so damaged, were so damaged 
on two inhalers and pills. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. It woke me up spiritually. I became so laser beam focused that I discovered my own purpose and I healed my body. And I received so many blessings and relationships and opportunities because of that experience. So I call it good. I don't look back at it like, oh my God, I was suffering. And if I, the doctor said, if I'd have got there 10 minutes later, I would have died and all of that stuff. Versus, that was my day of awakening. You get to call it what you want to call that divorce, that illness, that pink slip, that so-called business failure. You get to decide. What are you going to name it? Back to the book. All right. The authors wrote, it does not matter where you currently stand in your relationship to anything you desire. Start to develop the consciousness for it first. Now, if it's skills that you need to develop, you will be drawn to the opportunity to get those skills. Now, do the work. Next paragraph. Remember, as extensions of pure, positive, non-physical energy, the more in vibrational harmony you are with you, the better you feel. So the more you're in tune with your own spiritual nature, I call it knowing God is on board, like knowing I'm in tune. I know when I don't feel like I'm in tune. Like I'm just kind of doing life without the under the presence of the conscious awareness of presence of God in me. I just know it. I'm off out of alignment. Let me let me get on my meditation. Let me get up. For me, I start with study. Other people stop and pray, affirm, and meditate first or whatever. And you have to do you. For me, I get something very spiritual and I start to read and contemplate it. Then I go into my other stuff. But you have to do you. That's how, that's what works for me. And you know, if if with this, if it ain't broken, then why try to fix it? It gives me really good results. That I know is certain things that I read, certain things I need to pull when I feel as though I'm a little too empty. Time to get back on, on back in alignment with the truth. See, back in alignment. So I use the, the books to pull me back in alignment. Quiet time. Turn the phone on. Do not disturb. Turn the TV off and just work with the material. All right, back to the book. Bottom of page 51, we often refer to that non-physical part of you as your inner being or your source. It is not important what you call that source or energy or life force, but it is important that you are consciously aware that when you are allowing a full connection to it and when you are restricting it in some way and your emotions are a constant indicator of your degree of allowing or resisting that connection. The unity minister, Gary Simmons, used to uh, wrote, and I used to, wrote in the book, The Eye of the Storm, which is one of my favorite books of all time, like top five books. I did a series on that as well. If you go back to my old archives, The Eye of the Storm, like I said, a lot, like one of the top five books I've ever read in my life. He wrote, you're either the way of Christ or you're in the way of Christ. You're either the way of Christ or you're in the way of Christ. Now, he's not talking about Jesus, the human being. He's talking about Christ, God's idea of itself in you, the I am, your spiritual potential, your spiritual identity. The more you're in alignment with the Christ in yourself, 
the easier it is to demonstrate the good you desire. This is why you have to study, why you have to pray. This is why you have to meditate. This is why you visualize, why you vision. This is why you do whatever your spiritual practices are to help you get in alignment with the truth in you, whether you call it the Christ, the I am, spiritual identity, spiritual being, source, inner reality, voice of intuition, or peanut butter. You have to get in contact with the real, true you. Now, next week, I'm going to teach chapter 11 and 12, and uh, we're going to have some fun with those. I also want to remind you that this this podcast has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So if you want to get in contact with me, leave me a message or ask me a question or whatever, it's the quickest and easiest way to do it. That's one. Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter a lot. I'm on Instagram and Facebook more. I'm on every once in a while on Twitter. Um, so make sure that you like those pages. Share, you know, share stuff you see from the pages. Uh, it also helps you know what's going on and what I'm doing when I don't say it on this podcast, which I need to start doing more of. So with that, um, we're going to wrap up. I hope that you got something out of this podcast today and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transformed. God bless. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.